Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so glad you're with us today. When I first began to study the afterlife evidence, it was way back at the start of the 1970s. And this whole field was considered to be not just far out, but extremely far beyond far out. No one was interested. It had been a hot topic in the first few decades of the 20th century. But by the 1960s, you know, we were we were in new age and we were marching against the war and we were marching for civil rights and we were doing all sorts of other stuff and serious researchers had no place in that. It really wasn't until Raymond Moody published Life After Life in 1976 and he coined there the term near-death experiences that a general public interest in what happens at and after death you know, began to develop and it grew by a lot over the next 40 years. Today, of course, the oldest baby boomers are entering our 70s. Can you believe it? Baby boomers. What a funny term for us now. We boomers have led every cultural craze over the past three quarters of a century. We are a very big generation. They used to call us a pig passing through a boa. How does that make you feel about yourself? Lord. So we led it all in the family crazed 50s. We were what it was about. Then came the war protest, civil rights, disco, careerism, raising children, and then finally shifting gears toward retirement. And now, for boomers, the next big thing, let's be frank, is death. And don't I know it. I'm hearing from more and more people in this generation that was born actually right after the Second World War who are now noticing that, you know, death is on the horizon here. Sometimes they have a health scare. Sometimes someone that they care about dies, and they say, whoopsie, i got to start thinking about this. They want to master death as they have mastered everything else in their long lives. Our guest today is Patricia J. Robertson, and she is with us today all the way from the United Kingdom. I love this. She's, she's in Scotland now, and she sounds wonderful. Will you hear her voice? Trisha has made a name for herself in afterlife circles by writing two very well-received books called Things You Can Do When You're Dead and More Things You Can Do When You're Dead. We've talked with a lot of afterlife experts on Seek Reality over the years, but Trisha's latest book is something new. It's called It's Life and Death, But Not As You Know It. And it's full of fascinating and, frankly, some bizarre stories and phenomena. I, I know about just about all of them, so they don't amaze me as much as they may amaze you. But I think it's important we understand just how broad and complex this field really is. In his foreword to her book, the wonderful Icelandic researcher Dr. Erlander Harrison says, Trisha's new book is encyclopedic in its scope and as it deals with various unbelievable to bizarre phenomena, including electronic voice phenomena and much more. Trisha Robertson is a former teacher of mathematics and physics and a lecturer in psychical research at the University of Glasgow in Scotland. So unlike me, she is a serious scholar. She has had some 30 years of experience in investigating many avenues of what, you know, really, we shouldn't be calling it the paranormal anymore because we know now that it's all just part of normal. Trisha calls her books an introduction to many subjects within the broad spectrum of the paranormal or now sort of the extended normal. And I think we all are going to learn some things today, including me. Trisha, welcome. I'm so glad to have you with us. Thank you, Roberta. It's good to be here. It, this is going to be fun. You know, you and I have actually had very peculiar eccentric hobby, this um, studying death in the afterlife um, and figuring out what happens at and after death. I mean, more and more people are interested now, but we were pretty much alone in the beginning. And I, I'd like to sort of know what got you started doing this work? Well, everyone asked me the same question, and I actually don't have a very interesting answer. Um <laughs> at that at that particular time, I was uh, happily married with a, a nice husband. We had two cars, two children, nice house, and everything was absolutely fine and happy and sunny and everything. And then for some peculiar reason, a friend and I decided to go down to the local spiritualist church, actually quite a big church. And I began to listen to what the mediums were saying. 
And intellectually, I have no psychic ability whatsoever. I'm a very logical person. If I hadn't been a, a maths and physics teacher, I would have liked to have done law. But that's the kind of mind I have, <laughs> very straightforward, black and yeah. white. And I began to listen to people getting messages from mediums. And then I began to follow people about after and ask them, if that meant anything to them, et cetera, et cetera. And then I followed on with that by taking a notebook, et cetera. And it, it, it intrigued me intellectually. Is there something in this? And if there's something in this, this is something that should be looked into. And that's yes. really how it started. It's, 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 I've never asked for any of this, by the way, Roberta. I don't know about you. This just happened to me. And of course, <laughs> All right. Once you open your mind, things fell into my path, as it were, one thing after another. And, of course, your experience grows and you meet different people. And then I met Professor Archie Roy. It's, later on, I met Archie. And he was a professor of the, the physics and astronomy. And, the, and we got on extremely well interested in this. And then we started to go in cases. And then we founded the Scottish Society for Psychical Research. And the rest, as you say, is history. And of course, I don't know about you, but once you start looking at these things, your life can take a downward spiral as well. Really? I, well, I haven't had that, but we'll... we'll oh, good for you. It, we're, we're still going along here. I, I did go through a period when my Catholic husband told me I was going to hell. But, yeah. you know, we, 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 I, we managed to get past that. He's, oh, he's very... He's very loyal. <laughs> but I, I think we all, when we've sort of gotten exposed a little bit, and for me it happened very early in my life because I was trying to figure out some things. And when you realize that how consistent all the afterlife evidence is, you realize it's a real thing. You know, oh, yeah. you don't find odd you know, people saying, having said that everyone there is purple or, you know, uh, you have to go through this and that ritual or whatever. It's all the same evidence when you talk to people who actually are dead. And that Absolutely. really hooks you. Don't you think that's really what it, does it? It does. And uh, I, I state right away, it, it's not that what we do is nothing against any particular religion, but it's also got nothing to do with any religion at all. But that's you can right. You can incorporate what you find within a religion if and if that suits your model of the world. But it, it's a fact. I look at evidence in different aspects of psychical research. I call it psychical research rather than the paranormal, because psychical research, as you'll see from the earlier books, is a rational study by scientists and scholars of claims made about the paranormal. So I prefer to call it psychical research. And it's a fact. You look at what's happening, you take the data, you do, and where you can, you do experiments. But of course, the best evidence of, it, of all is experience. If you've experienced something that you can't explain within the normal parameters of what we accept in this world, and then you have to say, hey, wait a minute, this, there's something odd here and yes. that's what I look, look at experiences of who we are while we're still alive and you will see by various books that we have immense hidden talents and things that we can do that we don't actually realize that we can that's and right. often often it materializes under stress but it, we are truly amazing people and of course <laughs> I will nowadays I will speak about consciousness after death what we truly are, that that bit of us is inside us, the real you, the 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 person that's not seventy years old, <laughs> the the person yeah. who has the person who has, is still the child inside, the same consciousness, same memories, the same intellect. That's what survives, the real you, the real substance of who you are, not your face, not your height, not your hair color, the real you. We're encapsulated in a physical body. For whatever reason, we really don't know, but we are, and that's a fact. Talking about consciousness is a very basic topic, and I love the way you really got into it to some extent. You talked about, for example, the fact that emotion is really what governs consciousness. Now, most people think consciousness is generated by their brains, which is not true, no. and they think emotion personal interior thing which is not true at all emotion is what no. governs 
consciousness. And you, you obviously independently for me, I mean, totally on your own, you figured all of that out as well, which I thought was great. And you, you discussed it was, was a wonderful discussion um, uh, of, of how, I mean, you had someone saying that, um, I respect your work very much, Dr. Ryan, obviously Joseph Ryan, but I do not like just to guess cards. I've got to be emotionally involved in a case. I think that's, uh, yeah. I that's think, how we all feel, yeah, and I people think, think about why. Yeah, that, that epitomized it for me. I love that. I did some research on that, and I absolutely love that because it said it all, and it's now come to me after 30, nearly 35 years of work on this, that no matter what avenue of the paranormal you're talking about, no matter what, there has to be emotion, there has to be motivation, and there has to be intention. If you don't have those things, then that particular thing does not work. A lot of people say, oh, why does so-and-so who has died not come back to see me? Well, it's unfortunate, but sometimes they may not uh, have the need to come back to see you. They may think it's better to leave you without the connection or they may be doing something else on a higher level of consciousness in which they're really not able to come back to see you. You can't tell that to everyone, though. It's, it sounds scary, but it's not. Yeah, they, they, they think they're sort of, they're, all our loved ones are sort of sitting along the edges of clouds, swinging their feet, watching yeah. us very bored. But the opposite is true. There's so much more fun stuff to do there than there is to yeah, do absolutely. here. That they're all the, playing. <laughs> exactly. The more, the most common, shall we say, thing of, if we want to call it the paranormal that everyone has, nearly 90% of your listeners and 90% certainly of people that I know, when someone passes that, that you're very close to, someone where there's sort of love and affection on both sides, when they pass, they always try to come back to give you a sign, a signal, something to let you know that they have arrived safely. And to me, this is the most one of the most important parts of this work. work. We give people hope. We get not only hope, but we give them evidence that people can come back and do various things. They can come back and move vases about your house to let them know, let you know that that they're there. They can, you can hear the voice. They can smell the perfume. Uh, and in some cases, you can hear the voice. Nowadays, some are coming back via telephone and other yes. electronic devices. Yes. But the biggest intention, and all my life, I keep coming back to this word intention. But And they have the tension, the intention and the motivation to let you know, look, I'm all right now. Get on with your own life. We've got stuff to do over here, but just just know we are here and we love you. If, yes. you really need, if you really need us, we can be here, but we've got a job to do, and so have you. Get on with it. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And th- since time is not a reality there, objective time as we experience no. it here, it's it it doesn't seem to take long before you'll show up there. Anyway, it's not as if they're sitting around pining for us. Quite the contrary. No, very no. very well done. This book is a series of what you might call odd phenomena. And very clearly, it's it's not a long book. We love short books that are right to the point, and this is at one in, in spades exactly what people enjoy reading. I couldn't put it down to tell you the truth. And um, what, what what I like is the fact that you you break out these these phenomena, and then you, you get right to the point about what's interesting about them and what it tells us. Let's yeah. talk about precognition. You say and you, you get right into it. Planes and trains that are involved in accidents have an atypically small number of passengers. And that seems to involve precognition on the part of the prospective passengers that they don't even under, understand is going on. Yeah, Subconsciously. Kind of- Talk about that because I think that's very important. And it's true, by the way. I mean, on the, the, the planes um, on 9-11 were uncharacteristically empty. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not pretending to say that I can explain this, or, or but it, it is a fact. It, it is a statistical fact that in, in any transportation that has a, even the Titanic wasn't as yes. full as it should have been. Yes, we as, we as human beings, you see, you have your consciousness that we're that works in different wavelengths. We're speaking just now on the, the beta wavelength, the higher, you know, the ups and downs are higher, up and down, up and down. So we're, we're, we're in that level of consciousness. And as you relax a bit, 
your brain waves go to alpha one, maybe a bit dreamy, alpha two, and then you go way down to theta. Now, at the lower level of consciousness, I think that's where we tune in, if you want, I, I don't like that word, but if you tune in to the consciousness of, shall we say, the world of events, and it's that part of your consciousness, one of the subconscious levels that gives you a, like, a slight, you know, there's something wrong here, but you don't really know it. Your subconscious is looking after you, and it really does. Your subconscious is the master of your body. It looks after you when you don't look after yourself, and it's at that level we seem to uh, we seem to know. Don't ask me how we know. But we seem to know that we really shouldn't do something. It's a bit like if you meet someone in in the you know in the real world. Sometimes you meet someone and you just don't like them. There's something about them. Yeah. It's a it's a sense. You go, no, not, you know, there's something about that person I don't like. It's a bit like that, only at a much deeper level. Yeah, I I think that um, it's important that people understand that you do have a sub subconscious mind, which is actually most of your mind, that um, it is still working, although you are it, you're not directly tied to it, and it will give you um, uh, instincts they feel like, or or yeah, you know hunches absolutely. or something. Pay yeah. attention to those. <laughs> That's important. It's not trivial. And I, I thought your discussion of that was great. And now here's something else you talk about, which is important. EVP, which is electronic voice phenomena. This is something else that had a heyday. And the heyday was, what would you say, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, 80s? Whatever I wrote in the book. I think it was 60s when yeah, they... Yes, it, yes, when they got going. And then at the end of the the 80s, um, you have a... Annabella Cardoso is one of the stars in this field. She's, yes, she's lovely, Annabella. I know her, yeah. Oh, well, she's... I've read her books. I think she's wonderful. But... At the end of the 1980s, she she worked with what what's called time stream, or works with still, um, and the the others were working with time stream as well. Um, the Harsh Fishback couple, for example. Yes. yes. But but and they said, and this is what the, was at the end of the 1980s. You know, I mean, now look where we are. We are what 40 years after that or something. Yeah. And, and, and um, the technician who was was the leader in that in that non the non material leader the leader of the group working with these people from the afterlife said that communicators from another dimension had in, which is these people had informed the Luxembourg team the the Harsh Fishbox that soon ITC which is instrumental instrumental transcommunication would be everywhere soon it will be everywhere in the 1980s and they they vowed that it would happen by the end of the 20th century or if it didn't it would be true in the 21st century yes. this this communication <laughs> with the with the people who are not after all dead they're perfectly as much as actually even maybe more alive than than we all are yes. is something that they have been trying in the afterlife for a very long time to make common they want you to have an app on your phone that you can use to call up your great 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 grandmother and get her recipe they want that kind of communication to happen they're trying we, there are reasons why it hasn't happened yet but it's not i don't think it, uh, their fault a few reasons one of them and, I, and i'm going to ask for your opinion too but i think one, one main reason is people here just don't have are not selfless enough and focused enough and willing to devote their lives to this project. People with the ability to do it haven't, haven't stepped forward or if they have, they've been soon distracted out of it. But what do you think is the reason why it still hasn't happened? Well, it is happening. Uh, if you read the book, you will see the number of people that are actually looking at it now. Everybody should have this, not just until the public has a way to communicate easily with the, with the dead electronically. <laughs> it, it's, it's not happening. People, people, there are people who do this and there's wonderful stuff being done, but it's not happening really yet. Well, it's it's um it's a double edged sword really because we know what human beings are like. Human beings don't always do the best thing, and uh, yes. I just wonder what it would be like if everyone could call up the grandmother or grandfather. I don't know what that would be like. I mean, 
Uh, I don't know if you're aware of the sort of Silver Birch. He's one of the communicators. Yes, yes. Side. And Silver Birch talks about natural law and everything has a natural law to it. There's no nothing hard and fast. And unfortunately, the, nat- the natural law is not quite the same for every person because each and every consciousness, every person is different. And you, yes. you, can, you can only really communicate properly with people at the same level of consciousness as yourself. I am. I. I think it is the way forward. I do. I think that, as I said in the book, the electronic devices of one. When we get into quantum computers, then God knows what will happen. I think there'll be a huge leap forward with quantum computers. I whether I think it's desirable or not. I'm not too <laughs> sure. I'm not too sure. Mankind. Mankind is not the nicest species in the world. I'm afraid they are not. No, I, I, I agree. I think you're right about that. But what I think is this, when everybody knows that life continues, because that's the great barrier. Yeah, that's Getting the bottom line. To yeah. know it for certain. And, yeah. and if that's the emphasis, if it's something that you can get for free, if it works, if it lets everybody, when they've been to a funeral, they walk right outside or maybe even happens in the funeral and they talk to the person who theoretically just died and find out he's happy. When that's a standard part of human life, I think humanity will be transformed because you, 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 what I found when I really understood all of this was that I knew there was no place to hide. I had to be a good person and live a good life. I wasn't always as nice as I am now. <laughs> but, but, but that's what no, Didn't you find that too? You started living oh, I, on an eternal I, frame. Absolutely. It's quite scary, actually, sometimes if you have, if you, if you have an ignoble thought, you think, oh, my God, you know, some, yeah. somebody's, somebody's <laughs> hearing that somewhere. Yes. But then, yes. but then we, we are not perfect. Can I just say that once, as I say, I have no uh, psychical ability at all. I'm quite empathetic, but not psychic at all. And I went into this not from a religious background. I did it from an academic background. And in a way, that's quite good. But. Once I got into it and I saw the wonderful work that particularly good mediums do and people who have wonderful experiences, as you say, it transforms the person who's still living. It transforms their whole existence. I think I mentioned it in one of the earlier books that you might Mm -hmm. not have, have come across yet. It was years and years ago. We have a very nice medium called Gordon Smith in Scotland. Gordon's a very, very good medium. And I can't remember, 25 years ago or something, Gordon wrote his first book. And he asked me to come along to his book signing, which was a little talk, etc., before the book signing. And I said, sure, Gordon. So I introduced Gordon, and it was a very small, high platform, and over 200 people in Watterson's bookshop. So I introduced Gordon, don't know what I said, etc., etc., and then Gordon started to give a demonstration. And his first person, that's the only one I remember, the first woman he came to, you know, we could only see the heads of the people who were standing below us. And Gordon said, I'm coming to that lady about six rows back, the lady with the blonde hair, and a woman looked up. Now, I couldn't have told you what she looked like. And Gordon said straight away, he said, I have your son here. He killed, He took his own life. He's wearing a baseball cap and he's taking yes. it off and showing me his short hair and he's laughing. And he gave that woman a message about his uh, this, this hair, the curly hair. And the woman said, I was always threatening to go in and cut his, cut his hair <laughs> off. So he lifted his baseball cap to show the mother that his hair had been cut. Now, it went... <laughs> It went on from that. He gave the boy's name and various things in the family that were oh, absolutely 100% pertinent to that lady. And you knew that because of the way she reacted. And then uh, he gave all the messages. I can't remember the other messages. And then afterwards, Gordon said to me, we're going round the corner to Lauder's Bar for a drink. Hey, come round, Trish. So I went round. And when I got there, they'd set out a big table, but maybe 20 people on the table. And uh, obviously pre-COVID, and uh, a lady yes. was sitting. A lady was sitting beside me. That I didn't know. I did know one or two, but not everybody. So I said to the lady, "I said, uh, oh, do you do you know Gordon, or do you know someone here?" She went, "No." And I said, "You're the lady that got the yes. message 
a boy that took his own life. And she said, yes, I certainly am. She said, and it'll be the first time in two years I will have had a night's sleep. I, I'm a Catholic, oh. she said. I went to the priest for consolation when my son killed himself. And the priest told me, oh, your son will be in hellfire and damnation for eternity. Oh, Which, my Lord. Exactly. Oh. And she went to various, uh, there are, you know, people that, uh, you know, counsel people of lost people, but they really, they don't really understand it. And she said, none of them, not one of them was any good. She said, but tonight I will have my first good night's oh, sleep. I know, my, I know my son is alive. And that is the bottom line. That's the bottom line. That if is. We, if we can help many people to understand that, then it it has changed so many people's lives. It really has. And that is my bottom line. Never mind the science. We have the bottom line. where, And that's why I wrote the books. Because yes. after, after doing this for so many years and doing university lectures in conjunction and separate with Professor Roy, Archie Roy died in 2012. And I thought, I've got all these really good lectures, I've got all this information, etc., etc. It would be a sin not to share that with the, the man in the street, the people yes. who do not know that life continues. And yes. that is truthfully my reason for writing book number one, along with the, the psychical research and, and the, the credibility of the people who started to look at these things. And Because a lot of it's about credibility. You have to look at who is telling me this, what do, what do they know about it, et cetera, et cetera. And once you build up a wealth of information like that, and the, the one thing I'm good at is getting information and putting it in a logical way where people can understand it. There's no highfalutin grandiosity about it, whatever. It's simple. It's straightforward. And the evidence in all these different avenues is there. And I also give a bibliography and references where you can go and find out more about it yourself. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, I, 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 you and I are obviously have the same motivations. I mean, it, this is something everybody should know. People, children should grow up knowing that life is eternal. And when all that happens, everybody on earth will be transformed. All the things that, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like, you almost feel you're, you're get, when, when you, when you allow people to communicate easily with the afterlife, you almost think, am I giving? A toddler a gun? I mean, am I doing something that is going to be harmful? But I think okay. it's going to be helpful because I think what it's going to do is take away so much of the fear that is laid, burdening this Absolutely. world so Ab much. It is. Un unfortunately, mankind, again, um, you will get the people, and you will know this more than, than I, you will get people who realize they can communicate with their husband or whoever they want to communicate with, but they want to go back every week and communicate through a medium, yes. you know, at a church. And that that itself is not healthy. What, what the people in the afterlife want us to do is know they're okay, we will meet them again, Yes. when it's our turn but get on with your own life here go and help somebody else well, one of the things that's happening because of I, I probably know more about this than you do because just because I interact so much with the public about these matters I invite e emails and so on there's a new phenomenon Tricia as the veil thins and it's noticeably thinning right now um, within the last year or so I've begun to hear from people who are basically still married to their husband. I hear it's just widows I've heard from so far. Um, and we actually just had someone on who is in, he's a widower and he's talking to his wife all the time. They don't need a medium. Ah. And, and, and right. And my, next week we're going to talk to somebody else who discovered that she could be still close to her lover, even though he had died, they weren't married. Um, and, and, and they're starting to have sex, believe it or not. Oh well, <laughs> at night. I didn't believe that'd, it either. But I, fascinating. Yes, fascinating, but this, fascinating spectacle, yeah. Yeah, it's quite amazing. And I, I've told the widows in the beginning. I used to say, "I'm sure that's only you know a very good dream." And you say, "Oh no, why do I get the time?" Well, something so, to look for. Something to well, look forward right. to. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's really amazing. It's. A, I think this is the first phenomenon this this um lovers staying in close contact is a very the very first 
phenomenon to come out of the thinning of the veil. But it's it's really a, it's a joy to hear these people and how happy they are. It's like they never lost anyone. It's well, wonderful. Some, someone did want me once to write a book about sex and psychical research. So there, oh, there's a there's, yeah, there's, there's your next book right there. There's a project for you, Roberta. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I think I'm, I'm too much. I'm too much of a prude, but I'm sure you could do it, Trisha. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, how dare you? <laughs> no, 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 no. This, everyone, this is how much fun. Once again, see again. We we come back to levels of consciousness. It really, it, even. And the, the intention of wanting and the emotion of being with that person, we come back to that. It, sort of, they're, they're in the same, they're in the same zone, so they can't communicate without the physical body. There's no reason why they can't do that. Actually, there's actually yeah. no reason why they can't do that. No, uh, whether it's think, funny whether that it's only happening now. It's just this is the point where I had never heard of it before, and I don't think you had either. But no. it's very recent. But there, there are a couple of other things I want to make sure we, because this is going, this time is going so fast we won't be able to get to everything I wanted to talk about this time. But um, let's talk about healing miracles because that's another thing yeah. you talk about in your book, and I think it's very, very illuminating. Can you talk yes, about that? Well, well, I, I myself, I did a healing study. I'm trying to remember the dates now. I think it was roughly from 2010, no, 2006, I think it was, to 2010. I actually did myself. I took Archie along with me, but I, it, but it was really my study. And it took it was six, five or six years. I studied two mediums in England, and because uh, I mean, a, a good psychical researcher never says that's impossible. They say let's look at the evidence. So yes. Archie and I, we we did get some funding from the Society for Psychical Research in London, and we would go down to places in England where these two mediums lived and would independently go to sessions where they were working with people. Everyone knew that we were going to be there as researchers. And I also had the mediums provide me, well, provide previous patients' testimony to me, you know, signed affidavits of things that happened. And I collected an enormous amount of data of things that had happened in the past with the mediums. And I also did research myself with the mediums. And it seemed to me that, especially the male medium, he seemed to be really fantastic with things like the skeletal system or bones or muscles. Uh, the female, she was very good at like reproduction stuff and ladies' problems, pregnancies, all of that. And there was no doubt with the patients that they had that they were certainly having an effect. And it wasn't just uh, a psychological effect, you know, someone seeing you, you'll feel better. And I ran a little short study in my own house uh, during that time. And I provided uh, people with patients, people I knew, people with no expectation. But one of the interesting ones to me was a friend of mine has a, a little boy. I think he was about seven and he had uh, Crohn's disease, you know, in, inside his abdomen. And of course, the mother came along as well. And I videotaped it, of course, but the mother went in, obviously, with the child while he was getting the healing because Gary likes you to, to lie down while he's doing the healing. And Gary gave the child some healing. And the interesting thing to me was afterwards, they come through and then I interview them. And the child said, unprompted, he said, it was as if two people had hands inside me and it was like a little mouse run, running around my inside, he was pointing to his lower tummy. And now that child felt what a lot of people feel when you get a genuine healer, that there yes. are more hands inside them than there should be. And certainly they had a very, very, very good success rate. There's another one. It was a young man. Well, not yet, young, 42. And he had genetic glaucoma in which his eyes were getting worse all the time. And after the healing, he came twice for healing within my project. And, of course, you don't like to tell the doctors. And he, went, he was going back to the doctors two weeks later. And the doctors said, oh, now he's had this all his life. He was 42 and it was getting worse. And the doctor said, oh, your readings are much better today. Uh, or oh, there must must be a fault with the machinery. But, of course, there wasn't. And these oh, best. Gee. 
and these better levels have maintained right up to now. So there's wow. there are definite. I mean, you're, it's not like a magic wand. You go zoom zoom, and they're instantly better. That doesn't work. It can do. But but not normally. The healer Harry Edwards down in England, who ran a sanctuary for 40 years, he was a lovely man. He was able to put a hand on someone's goiter and just run his hand along the goiter and sort of shake it away and the goiter would just disappear. And it's it's been witnessed so many times by so many eminent people that Harry Edwards could do this. So you see, all things are possible. We do not know what's possible. Right. And that, that's what you and I are all about. Yes. But you say that the results of, of all of your studies have shown very clearly that the patients who were, and you put, you said thought about, recovered significantly quicker than those in, in a control oh, yes. group. Now, this is a different thing you're talking about. Okay. You're, you're, you're talking about absent healing studies now. Where, no, the, all yes. right. Well, absent, present, apparently it even works so, if you're not even there. Yeah, yeah, but we can, you ought to divide it into different categories. You've got, you've got absent healing where, uh, a religious person would say you're saying prayers for the person. P- person who's not religious would say, right, we're going to send healing thoughts to whatever. Oh, yeah, the information's all there in, in, in I can't remember which book it's in now, either one or two, where you've got different medical doctors who tried this. Uh, one, I can't remember his name. It might have been Randolph Bird. And he had 164 heart patients throughout England, you know, in a, in a particular, or throughout the hospitals, and he, he divided them into two categories, uh, and without telling them, he said, you're going to take part in a, in a healing study of thoughts, and he said, well, we're not going to tell you which group you're in. If you're in the group that's going to be thought about, or the group that's not going to be thought about, and it was very much randomised, and after, and all the patients who had similar similar conditions, there was not any difference in the condition, and it was absolutely clear that the patients who were thought about or sent healing thoughts got better days, if not weeks, quicker than Isn't people who were thought about. Yep. And you also say that it didn't seem to matter whether there was a religious context or not. It was really the good thoughts that were what did it. Yeah, there was very little. In actual fact, the, the good thoughts that were sent just by an intention were marginally more successful than prayers. But it doesn't matter. That was just one study. Yeah. But there, in the book, you will see in the other book, you'll see lots of different studies gathering all these studies together. And there is no doubt that if you send good thoughts to someone, this is where we come back again to consciousness, intention, yes. and emotion, with, even within the healing. That And so remember... There, it turns remember, out that there really is one consciousness. It's in our part of that one consciousness, not, and, not as and, separate little dots, but no. the way, you know, if you put smoke into the air, the, the smoke becomes part of the air. We are part of that one consciousness. So that makes perfect sense if, in fact... Uh, this kind of thing can happen well. I mean, positive intentions, positive thoughts um, could very easily affect other people, as could negative thoughts, in fact. They can indeed. Another little example, um, it turns out that important dates can affect um, uh, randomly chosen numbers. Um, The the, the key number, what, what, what would it be, Powerball or something, uh, in New York for um, one year after 9-11 was 9-1-1. Now, that's not a coincidence. That, that's because everyone was thinking about it at that that's same that, time. Yeah. yeah. It's quite yeah. amazing, Tricia. Aren't you, aren't you astonished? And you I'm, talk absolutely, about I'm, I'm absolutely astonished and fascinated. I really never believed it because I guess it doesn't seem possible. But the way you talk about it, I guess I do believe it now. Well, yeah, uh, but you have to remember, too, that, uh, that uh, every thought that passes through your own mind may not be your thought. If you have an extremely ignominious thought about someone, you can say, well, that's not my thought. I don't want that thought. Go away. I don't deal in negativity. Never look into the abyss. When you look into the abyss, the abyss is looking back at you. Keep it all positive. Don't go into negative things. Keep keep it towards, I would say, towards the light, you know, the higher vibrations, the higher higher frequencies and then you'll be fine no problem at all that is extremely important will you say that again everyone please listen this is maybe the most important thing you're going to hear 
and seek reality. You have the power to control your own future to an amazing extent. Right, go ahead, Tricia, say it again. Yes, I will never deal in any negative things because I just don't want them there. Never let it in. There is a saying, once you stare into the abyss, the abyss is staring back at you. And that is where negativity could be let in if you allow it. And this is why it's quite dangerous for people that are maybe not terribly mentally sound. I will only deal in positive events, positive things, and keep the positivity. If you want to think of positivity as light, then you're looking at, I don't know what your uh, things are in America, but we talk about the lights being so many wattage, 15 watt, 40 watt, 60 watt, 100, 200 watt bulb. You're aiming towards that 200 watt bulb. You keep keep things as light as you possibly can and don't let any of the negativity drag you down. And you can do it. And what you said there is very important. We're Thoughts are the most important thing, your own thoughts. And I've found this very recently myself within the COVID rubbish that's going on at the moment. I find myself sort of drifting off and saying, come on now, Tricia, you know, get, get positive. If you can't find the light, be the light, do something for somebody else, something positive. And once you start on the positive track again, you'll find it much easier to cope with all of this that's going on. Don't look at negative things. That's why I don't, I mean, I, I have gone on ghost hunts sitting sitting all night in the dark. That's just nonsense. That's meaningless. Yeah. I did that many I, years ago. Right. Tricia, we're coming to the end of our time. Is there anything that you really especially hope that people will take away from our conversation today? Well, there's so there's so much isn't there Roberta I always I I always I always like to tell you my own experiences because that's the only thing that I can vouch for sure I can look at the evidence you can read the books and believe me although my books seem to be very weird they're absolutely 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 true and the the, one of the one of the things that uh, that, that is really very important is one of my wow moments. Although I've been doing it for a very long time, um, you know, you know, you know that within yourself, yeah, this is true. But one of my wow moments was when a woman came to me, it was the end of the 1990s, and she said that uh, she wanted to speak to me as her daughter had been murdered. And uh, I didn't know the woman at all, of course. I didn't know anything about the daughter's murder. And the police were not getting anywhere. It was six months after her daughter's murder. And uh, I thought, well, she wants me to get her a, a medium, but I'm not doing that. It's far too early if your daughter's been murdered. So I said to her, can you bring me something that belongs to your daughter? Put it in an envelope and I will try to get some mediums to psychometrize, you know, the, the thing that belonged to your daughter. Now, I'm sure all of your listeners know what psychometry is, where you put your hand over something and you get information from it I'm sure you know that uh-huh uh-huh so anyway the woman did a couple of days later I met her and she gave me a brown a5 envelope with something in it it wasn't a watch it wasn't a ring it was just something lumpy that's all I knew so I took it to a couple of actually all the mediums were male funnily enough I took it to a couple of male mediums who said one or two things about it and it wasn't very much. So I took it to another medium that I know very well. And I was able to go into this medium's house. And I just literally threw the envelope on the at the table. He was sitting at a table with a computer. And I said, can you tell me if you can get anything from this envelope? And the medium looked at me, sort of said, do I have to? And I went, yeah. And <laughs> grudgingly, grudgingly, the medium really grudgingly the medium put the his hand on this envelope and immediately he opened his eyes and stared at me and he said Trish he says I've got a girl here that was murdered and he wanted went on to describe the length of her hair the color she's telling me that uh, her boyfriend was the first to know she was murdered and he phoned he phoned my mum she she's telling me she misses her three cats She's telling me that she's got two tattoos on her left breast and described them in colours, another one behind her right arm. She's telling me uh, that the clothes, that the newspaper report of her murder was all wrong and the clothes that she was wearing were described completely wrongly. She's telling me that when she was younger, she had a termination of a pregnancy. 
So, of course, I'm recording this and writing it all down. Then he said, which was really the biggie for me, he said, uh, she's telling me that when she was younger, she was in Cortonville prison. Now, I've never known myself, I've never known anyone that's been in prison, far less a prison called Cornton Vale. This lady doesn't live near where I live. And I'm thinking, wow, that's either right or it's wrong. There's nothing in between. And he went on to give me 29 pieces of information of that quality. She lives up in flats, one up on the right, and the road in which she lives is a cul-de-sac. And, and oh, well, that's the other one. She said, um, she, she's telling me that today... My mother has moved my photograph from the top of the mantelpiece to the top of the television. And anyway, 29 pieces of information. So, as, of course, I don't know if it's right. The medium doesn't know if it's right. What so did I the just, mother say? Did the mother say it was right? Well, wait, I'll tell you. Hold on. Hold on, <laughs> Roberta. Hold on. So I went. obviously went home and documented it properly, all that sort of thing. I had the mother's phone number by this time. And I made arrangements for two days' time to go to the mother's house. Uh, I'd never been there. It's not where I live. And uh, I walked into her flat. And the first thing I noticed was a photograph of a girl on top of the television. And I said, oh, is that your daughter? I'm not going to use her name. Is that is that your daughter? She said, yes. I moved that photograph there two days ago. And that would be the time that I was talking with the medium. I said, now, I'm going to read you out statements made by mediums and I want you to tell me if they're correct or if they're wrong there's nothing in between they're not nearly right or they're wrong they're either absolutely correct or they're not correct so I started off with um, her boyfriend was the first one to know that she was murdered and the boyfriend phoned you you know she misses her three cats yes she had three cats she lived in a cul-de-sac one up etc tattoos were right and I said to the mother, can you tell me what clothing your daughter was wearing, you know, when uh, when when she was found? And she said, well, the newspapers got it all wrong. And she told me the correct clothing, the, the, the blouse, the skirt, the boots, all that sort of thing. Now, in the reading, the medium gave me a description of the girl's murder. But I chickened out and I didn't give the mother that description. But I, the medium had said all the the injuries were at her back from her neck downwards. And that did actually turn out to be correct. But I never asked the mother that. I also didn't ask the mother if she had a termination of a pregnancy because I thought you might not have known that. And it's yeah. bad enough now your daughter's been murdered without me telling you that, you know, she had a termination of a pregnancy. So I actually only read out 22 of the 29 pieces of information. And every single piece of specific information, even to Cornton Prison. She was in Cornton Prison. And I thought that was my wow moment. There's no way. I don't know anything. Yeah, the medium does, doesn't know cool. anything. And you come out with the Cornton Prison plus all of the other information. That was a kind of, wow, this is real moment for me. Although I did know it was real, but that was one that was just, yeah. wow. You know, unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think that helps a lot for all of us who are doing this work when you when you really hit a bullseye like that. But that is beautiful. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. And thank you, Tricia, for being here. We're going to do this again, everyone. Uh, there are two other books. We're, we'll space it out a little bit. But um, I would like you to – I'm going to read those other two books. So for sure I want to have Tricia back to talk about them. Thank you so much, Tricia Robertson. If, if you're trying – if they're trying to get a hold of me, I've got a website. I don't know if you've put that up or not. With the, the website, everyone is going – it's Tricia Robertson, Robertson.weebly.com, and it will be in the materials. So if you're driving the car, yeah. you don't have to – That's, that's lovely. Thank you, Roberta. Well, this has been much too short. And uh, so, I mean, we've only scratched the surface of what, yes. what, what we know and what we're talking about. But you will – you will find the third book extremely bizarre, and each chapter stands on its own, quite completely different things, yeah. uh, but phot photography and uh, the man of the unholy cross. Don't read that one late at night. Uh, <laughs> this is, again, the book spooky. is called Things You Can Do When You're Dead, More Things You Can Do When You're Dead, and then the one we talked about today, it's Life and Death, But Not As You Know It, and that's the third book. Thank you so much, Tricia. Thank you very everyone. much, Roberta. Bye, everyone.
Bye. Thank you. This has been Secret Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm so glad you were with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really get what that means, it changes everything for the better. Next week, our guest will be Karen Francis McCarthy, whose second book was published by White Crow Books. Now, White Crow is also Tricia Robertson's publisher. I love these people. White Crow Books is the best publisher now working in this entire field. And Karen McCarthy's book is called Till Death Don't Us Part, a true story of awakening to love after life. Karen, who is actually a medium herself and a trained medium, um, and if she's currently researching a PhD on contemporary ghost literature, she is is someone who you can imagine would have stayed in touch, but her book is very is beautiful and it's gripping. Till death don't us part is another touching tale, like Ward Barker, of lovers who are not separated after all when one of them died. And I think that's going to be the biggest news of the 21st century so far. The fact that the veil has already thinned so much that a close love relationship can be maintained pretty easily now for by many people until the second lover to leave this world can joyously join the first. So please be sure to join us next week and help us explore this beautiful phenomenon. This week we've been talking with Tricia J. Robertson, who is an expert in this field all the way from the United Kingdom. She has spent 30 years doing this research, and I think she and I basically complete each other's sentences, which is another way you know it's all real. If all researchers are coming up with the same results, you know it's real. This book, the one we've talked about today, again, is one more time, it's life and death, but not as you know it. And frankly, I can't wait to read the other two books, so we'll be talking with her again. As you know, of course, I have my own books. No time to, this time to talk about them, but you know what they are. Uh, and they're available on Amazon and on, um, you know, just about, you can get them through bookstores too. And they include a children's book. All the adult books are available through bookstore, bookstores or on Amazon. And the adult books are also available uh, as audio books. If you ever want to talk to me about anything, don't hesitate to send me an email through the contact blog on robertagrimes.com. It's green. You can see it there to one side very easily. I do answer emails, and I'm eager to hear from you, so just make sure you give me your correct email address. And meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and most of all in the universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.